FN2187, Finn. We'll call him Finn. From the front lines of Jakku to his almost sacrifice on Crate, today's episode is all about our favorite stormtrooper turned resistance fighter. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our FN2187 or Finn episode. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Yay! I have wanted to do this episode for a really long time. I think mm-hmm. that, especially ever since we started talking about Finn in our The Last Jedi, series after that movie came out and just like in the months that follow i think that finn is such an important character and his arc needs to be um talked about more than it is and Mm -hmm. often i feel like he gets overlooked by characters like kylo ren and ray which Mm -hmm. is fair but he does have an amazing story and i'm really really excited to talk about it especially because john boyega is like the best he's the best (sighs) he's so great (laughs) I love John Boyega, <laughs> especially all the pictures he's been posting recently with episode nine filming wrapping up and stuff like that. He's just like, he's like sunshine. He's like him and Gwendolyn Christie are the best people on press tour. You know, they're just so fun. I know the that video of them touching the reptiles yeah, in the box, the box is actually, like the box. I think, the funniest video I've ever seen from a press tour. I, I, I think I've watched it frequently. It's amazing. It's iconic. John Boyega is iconic. He is iconic. He's just so funny. He's so good. His he, accent is perfect. So it's it's great. <gasps> Do you remember what um I think it was he did this on a lot of different interviews um for The Force Awakens, but they were always asking him like why Daisy got to keep her accent and John couldn't. And he always did this like, you know, well, I'm like I'm like a stormtrooper. He's like it just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> he like always like overemphasize his accent um, when he was doing that little bit for the different interviews and press junkets and every I knew it was coming but it made me laugh every time. <laughs> you know what's one of the funniest moments I just thought of that you um, when you were talking about the press tours with hmm. John Boyega I think I remember his um, Shrek impressions so well he does really good impressions his um, gingerbread man impression is like so perfect. <laughs> And as soon as you, before you even started to say impression, I was like, oh my God, that interview on Ellen when he impersonated Daisy. Is like, yes, best. that's so funny where he's like, oh my God. <laughs> and she's like, no. And he's like, no. <laughs> it's really great. It's really great. They are just so funny. I love them. The two peanuts. Peanut. I cannot wait for more press with John. And honestly, I can't wait for him to do more movies too, which he is. He has like mm-hmm. a pretty um, filled up slate, it looks like, for the next couple of years mm-hmm. um, in his movies that are coming out that I think we're going to get like some amazing press. He's just so fun. He's such a joy. And you're so right about the fact that he has been – he's like the only one that's been posting from the set. Um, mm-hmm. of episode nine. And I want to talk about that. We will later in the episode, but he is kind of at this point, the number one source of episode nine content because we all, we all thought it was going to be JJ. We really did. <laughs> we, he, we, we, we've been played. <laughs> we were, we're so played. 
It's mean. (laughs) Do you remember like the Star Wars show was like, and this week from like Ron Howard, your number one source for solo content. Now it's like Untitled Han Solo Project Movies. (laughs) Untitled Han Solo Project Movie. Your number one source, Ron Howard. But now it's John Boyega. Um, I think I saw a tweet the other day that was like, so J.J. Abrams really isn't ever going to tweet again about episode nine. (laughs) He really isn't at all. We were so hopeful. to be let down so far <laughs> we were all like hypothesizing we were like oh because of the ron howard model this is what jj is going to do it worked <laughs> so ron well howard for model. ron it gave people all these like beautiful behind the scene images and really made people more comfortable with the solo changing directors and you know we all really theorized about that and it really didn't come true it didn't even matter no- nothing matters <laughs> <laughs> jj is just gonna do what jj is gonna do which is Whatever nothing <laughs> I mean, he's a little busy. Um, <laughs> just a little. He's like the busiest man in Hollywood. Just a smidge. Uh, I always think of uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, where it's like, everything's made up and the points don't matter. Nothing matters. The template doesn't matter. The The template that Ron Howard set up doesn't matter. What he did last time doesn't matter. What John Boyega's doing doesn't matter. Like, JJ's just, he's just JJing. <laughs> he really is. He really, uh. truly is. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough about J.J. Abrams because this is our FN2187 or Finn episode. And so in part one, we're going to be talking all about Finn in The Force Awakens. In part two, we're going to be talking about The Last Jedi. And in part three, we're going to do some Sky Talkers speculation into Finn's arc in episode nine. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. So welcome to part one, where we're going to be talking about Finn in The Force Awakens. But before we even go into The Force Awakens, I kind of wanted to start with the fact that Finn was actually the first person, the first character that we ever saw in the new era of Star Wars, um, the sequel trilogy. So what was that like? I remember it so clearly watching that trailer, that teaser um, on Black Mm -hmm. Friday with you and us being like, whoa, because it was really shocking He's he's like breathless and he's stormtrooper, black stormtrooper, unmasked, like immediately right in the beginning. The the sound beat is like so abrupt. Um, what was that like? It was startling. I think everyone was startled because it's not only is it is it in the teasers it kind of played like a jump scare almost. Um it or is. like me you're if, right about if that. you're just easily startled at things. <laughs> Everything <laughs> is like a jump scare. <laughs> um but it's it's like it's such a surprise because you almost expect like a ship to go by or it to zoom out on some scene that's happening. But it's just a character. Not only that, like it is a black stormtrooper, the first black stormtrooper that we've ever seen, unmasked, uh, in danger, like someone it looks like we're supposed to be kind of empathetic with, which is the complete opposite of how we usually treat stormtroopers. Um, and then it's also like, oh, he's in a stormtrooper outfit. Like, why is he in a stormtrooper outfit? Like, I thought that – why are there still stormtroopers? <laughs> um, so there's there's so much, like, wrapped up in that one, like, beat, right, they, that, of course, then Star Wars fans around the world just got to analyze and break down for the next year and a half or – what was it? Yeah, it was about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. It was a year and a half. The thing that's so crazy about that moment is – it really kind of sets the tone for the fact that you're right, you're right. It's weird how at this moment we're supposed to feel empathy for, or perhaps we're supposed to feel empathy for this stormtrooper, this potentially rogue stormtrooper. I think that enough 
from that shot can be taken that, you know, John Boyega is one of our main characters, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that this whole moment kind of flips everything that you knew um, on its head, that perhaps, like, the characters that are in the background are going to be main characters in this new trilogy. The thing is, is that this moment, like, really makes us pay attention. And I know that's so kind of simple to say, but it's like, oh, these char- these people in the background, like, they're really going to take the forefront in this new story. And everything that you thought you knew um, is probably wrong. And that's that's the kind of feeling I got from this first shot. Unfortunately, I feel like it was met with, I think people were really, really excited and pumped about this teaser. It was such a great day on Twitter, but I know that John Boyega received so many unfortunate racist comments and it was just like mm-hmm. the worst thing ever because mm-hmm. it's just so unfair. And it's so cool that we have his character in Star Wars as a main character. He's the first person that we ever saw in the sequel trilogy. It's so cool. And mm-hmm. that's it's a huge moment. And I hate that it's soiled by these terrible people. Yeah, I completely agree. There was so many unfair comments, not even unfair, just like rude and atrocious and like inhuman comments hurled at him. And it just wasn't right, Um, especially for how important his character is, how important representation is. It's like, I don't know. There's just like there's so much wrapped up in that and it should have been just like overwhelmingly positive and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Not all the way. And that's such a disappointment, <laughs> honestly. Um, and it's something that the Star Wars community is still dealing with. Like, so many of the comments towards Rose, too, are the same kind of breed from what Finn, like, comments towards Finn and John Boyega were getting, too. And it's just, it's it's disappointing um, within our own fandom that we're seeing so much of that. It really is. It, it drives me nuts. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And it's, wrong (laughs) like there's there's like no nice way to say or like gentle way to say it it's just like it's wrong and it's stupid but back to like the marketing of finn finn's marketing for episode for the force awakens what what episode was that episode seven (laughs) was so interesting because it was focused a lot on finn to the point where a lot of us had initially like from rumors and stuff been assuming that like there was a girl who was at the the forefront like there was a woman who was going to be the center of the story but then through a lot of the marketing there were so like they were so heavy not heavy-handed but like so much focus on finn on this like stormtrooper character that we all kind of started to second guess ourselves and be like oh maybe maybe it's actually this guy that's gonna be our main character do you remember that yeah and i i feel like it's such a weird conversation because a lot of it was to preserve that reveal of ray Mm-hmm. Ray getting that lightsaber in the end. Like, I think what you're getting at yeah. is also the fact that in the, I think the full trailer, Finn has a lightsaber and it was like this mm-hmm. big moment where it was like, oh, saber, yeah. Yeah, the legacy saber here, Finn is, he is kind of de- perhaps deserving of the saber. And it was a great moment, like you said, for representation. And I, I completely understand how people kind of feel slighted by that, that in itself because it's just, not right that that was used to hide the big ray reveal however fantastic that ray reveal is when she um when the lightsaber is called to her 
And it, it's just, I think it's unfortunate because I also know that in the marketing, like we were talking about the press tour before, Finn was so, ex- Finn, <laughs> like he's a, okay. John Boyega was so excited to have the lightsaber. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to like fight with a lightsaber. Like, did you see me with the lightsaber? He was really amped about it. And I think that it's kind of unfortunate when you go back because you you know that like he does have that really cool fight on um, Taco Donna with uh the <laughs> traitor one, um, stormtrooper. Yeah, with the lightsaber. But I, I do know that a lot of the marketing, like I think that a lot of people were really, really pumped for his character to have the lightsaber, and that's not how things turned out. And I think that's just like it really kind of frustrates me about the marketing of Star Wars, where I just think those two things were kind of disconnected <laughs> at that point, um, where they just that's those are the clips that they were given. So like that's what happened. But mm-hmm. it's definitely a conversation that kind of continues to happen where it it felt like a little bit like representative bait. Yeah, I think that's such a I mean, that's such a hard conversation to have because like from this from the point of the story, it's like, yeah, they are trying to keep the surprise of Ray concealed. And so you're like, oh, well the way that we do that is like give a little bit of misdirection in the trailer. And you're like, okay, well, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But then when you look at it through that like representation lens of like people being really excited, because not not only were we starting to think that maybe Finn was gonna be like our our main main character, our our Ray portion of the story, but then we were also like, oh, is he gonna be a force user, like a stormtrooper force user? Like that's crazy. Um but then all of that wasn't true either. And that's not bad that that was, wasn't true. But it's like you have these different layers of the conversation that are coming through, like when we're looking at a trailer like that. And it's like, okay, like what's more important? Not what's more important, but like what's taking the forefront? Is it the the story or is it the representation? Like what is it? And for the trailer, it ended up being like the story. And – like, is that a bad thing that that's just, like, the way the story went? I don't know. Maybe, like, I am I feel like people have different opinions on that. Because, like, at the yeah. end of the day, Finn is still a main character. It's just – and he did still use the saber. It's not like he didn't actually use the lightsaber. He, It's not like he just ignited it and then handed it to Ray. Like, he actually did use the lightsaber and did, like, really cool things with it. But he didn't end up being <laughs> a force user or, like, the Ray of the story. Yeah, I think that – it's almost like, and like rightfully so, like the force user gets put on a pedestal in the, um, in like the Saga, overall like Star Wars, Wars meet. Yeah, exactly. And yes, Finn has like, so, as we're going to talk about, like such an amazing story and such an like a honestly perfect hero's journey that he is in every way the hero. But it would have been cool if he was a force user as well. And I understand people's disappointment. And mm-hmm. that would have meant a lot to a lot of people if um, that were to come to fruition. And it didn't. Mm -hmm. And I do still think that, like, he didn't use a lightsaber in The Last Jedi, but I it would be cool if he used a lightsaber again in episode nine, just to kind of bring it all full circle, because we know he can use it. And it was pretty, like, awesome when he held that, when Maz, uh, Maz, (laughs) Maz handed, yeah, exactly, handed him the lightsaber and he just went for it and went in, like, full hero mode too. yeah. He had his Luke moment almost when he looked at that lightsaber, you know. Yeah, and yeah, he did. I, and and I I kind of hope that that happens again in this weird way. I don't mm-hmm. know what lightsaber he'd use in Episode Nine, but I think that would round it out quite nicely. Mm-hmm. And I think the moment too, I think it, it would have been interesting if Finn had been a Force user, or even like a Force user with Ray. But I think it's 
One, I don't think that would have worked from the story perspective because I feel like Snoke probably would have known that he was force sensitive. You know what I mean? Like I think from like the technical aspects of the story of him being a stormtrooper, I don't know if that would have worked with someone like Snoke or even Kylo Ren. Um, they're like monitoring these guys. So I don't know if it would have worked from that sense. But I think it works really well of him being able to use the lightsaber because we talk so much about like the nostalgia and like the importance of these items. I mean, we had we just had a whole episode on the importance of lightsabers. But like it's not just for force users. Like it's not like if a non-force user touches a lightsaber, like yeah. it's gonna burn them or like not work for them. You know what I mean? Like it's not like that. Um and it like almost not deep devalue isn't the right word because it's like um i can't think of how to describe it but it's like it put it all on like level playing ground like yes people who aren't force users have influence and like are active and are heroes and can also use lightsabers in heroic moments Mm -hmm. it's not like not it's not and it's not only skywalkers who can use this because it's like you're it's almost like a little bit shocking when maz is like here take anakin and luke's lightsaber and like go forth and conquer (laughs) Um, yeah, it totally like, oh, is. Wait. It's like, oh, yeah. And you're like, wait a second, where's Luke? Like, that's Luke's lightsaber. Like, hashtag, where's Luke? Um, but like, that's, and then that's you're part like, wait, point too. Yeah, and it's like, oh, wait, you have this weapon, use it. That's what Maz says. And yeah. it's like, yeah, they need to because they're under attack. And yeah, you have this really powerful weapon, and Finn clearly knows how to use it because he was really well trained. Yeah. And, um, but then, but it's like, but like none of the other stormtroopers have like those kinds of sabers. And like the only one that they've seen is Kylo's. And it's Mm -hmm. like this really powerful weapon, um, that Kylo uses, but that Finn, of course, witnesses firsthand on Jakku. So Mm -hmm. like the whole, the whole marketing of Finn and this, like, this curiously plays into our conversation about, like, Last Jedi marketing because remember that whole thing was, like, is it a misdirection? Is it a misdirection? And none of the Last Jedi marketing really ended up being a misdirection, whereas The Force Awakens was a misdirection. <laughs> I know. It is so rough because it's, like, the whole thing is, like, it's not a misdirection, like you said. But he his whole marketing was totally, I think, poorly handled. And... I think that they'll course correct in episode nine. I think they course corrected in in The Last Jedi too, but I don't think his marketing should ever be at the expense of, I don't know. I feel like Ray's story shouldn't be at the expense of Finn's story at all, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, that's the thing too. It's like, I get it because they wanted to keep her a surprise and keep it under wraps. So I get that. But then it kind of led us to think that – and maybe that's the fault of fandom, right, of, like, us diving too deep into our speculation and theories and, like, basically, like, spinning out of control of, like, oh, Finn has a lightsaber? Well, clearly he's a Force user and clearly he's now the center of our story when that wasn't the case at all and that was, like, the wheels turning in our own heads and, like, kind of mm-hmm. taking things to the next level when maybe we should just, like, chill a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Which is easier said and said than done. Um, but I mean, I think you're right. Like, I don't think, but the, as long as the movie at the end of the day doesn't like lose Ray as the center of the story, yeah. does it matter so much what the trailers are doing in that sense? I don't know. I think that's that. See, this is the like really psychological like question right? of how this movie is a full package almost. Like, Star Wars movies mm-hmm. are a full package with. Um, toys with like full on marketing with 
trailers like basically taking up your whole day with conventions with it's this whole feel that is established for this movie and to that extent I feel like it is in a way part of the story it's not necessarily like canon as canon says but I, I it it matters it, it matters it, the way that our characters yeah. are represented I, and I feel like that's the struggle um because I I think and a lot of people think this that Finn's first um Finn with a lightsaber in the last and uh, the last the Force Awakens trailer was like poorly handled um mm-hmm. and I just I feel like they could have done it in a better way they could have not yeah. used that at all to preserve Ray's reveal and it, yeah. it just it was not necessary to do that and to make so many people excited for how fantastic it was to see themselves represented as a a stormtrooper like I don't know a former stormtrooper who's also a force user like I, I think that was really important in 2015 and mm-hmm. I think that it it unfortunately went like kind of the opposite way than what people were hoping yeah. which I think and it's just hard because it's like we love the story of Ray as well. And I think that both of those things can exist at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. It's almost like they put the importance over showing the lightsaber than the importance of like what the character Finn could represent when holding exactly. the lightsaber. And that gets into kind of our last episode when we were talking about the lightsabers about how like important the they really – the mm-hmm. importance of like showing the legacy lightsaber was like at the front of their minds and maybe it shouldn't have been because that just is – a little much you know <laughs> yeah well it's like they didn't think it was like the focus was on the lightsaber for and we're putting like words into the production crew's mouth like who knows but like they were more concerned with being able to show the lightsaber and it's like well we can't show it with ray because we have to hide that like she's really our force user it's like let's put it with yep. finn and then mm-hmm. they didn't think about or yeah maybe they just didn't consider or realize that that would get spun in really big ways and in really important ways and meaningful ways to a lot of different fans only for that to be like not true at all. And not Mm -hmm. because Finn doesn't do important things with the lightsaber, but he's not what was kind of speculated on. And it's a hard conversation. (laughs) Totally. But I think that this stresses the importance of why you need – yeah. Um, diversity, diversity and representation in, making in marketing and right like everything behind the scenes mm-hmm. it's necessary that yeah. we have these voices represented so that like mistakes like this don't happen mm-hmm. yeah because I, I i don't think it was like intentional on anyone's part to like try and mislead people and like pulling the rug out from under them as far as like finn's character was concerned um, no me neither and that's like that's it's like you know that like there are good people working on these films, um, but like you said, that's why we need like good representation and diversity to be able to say like, hey, I see what you're trying to do from a story perspective here, but as someone who the optics of this don't look so good, yeah, yeah, as someone who's like from that mm-hmm. community, from that background, this is what I see when I see that, and mm-hmm. like how, exactly. yeah, like let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so huh. moving on, I feel like we spent a lot of time like, yeah, airing did, our did. grievances about that. <laughs> but <laughs> <I'm very laughs> 
<laughs> I I feel like I also, before we start talking about The Force Awakens, just kind of want to mention that if you guys haven't read Before the Awakening, I feel like it's one of these these books in the story that I don't even think Caitlin has read that's mm-hmm. like completely swept under the rug. It was released on the same day that um, The Force Awakens was released. And it chronicles – it's a short story that I think that's like 50 pages of Finn, a short story of Ray, a short story of Poe. The Ray one is like extremely sad. <laughs> the, the Finn one like gave me a lot of feels too. And um, I have to shout out our friend Shannon McCarter for like kind of helping me like refresh my memory about this because it has been a while since I read it. But in that story – I think it really sets up what we're supposed to know about Finn's character and kind of like reinforces things that we feel about Finn in the story. And it is, it chronicles his like cadet training and he kind of, he's really good at training in this story. Um, But he kind of wonders why he's even there. He like kind of doesn't even really care. He considers himself like going through the motions. Um, And I have a quote here that says it's from, um, I think it's from Phasma he, uh, it says, you're an outsider, cadet. You'll always be looking in and wondering why you don't belong. And I loved that quote because I really feel like this kind of links with Ray and perhaps Kylo Ren as well about these characters that we have in um, the sequel trilogy that are just really searching for belonging. And clearly for Finn, this wasn't his belonging at all. Obviously, we see him defect within the first, I think, 15, 20 minutes of the film. And um, maybe five minutes. And I feel like it really just this story underscores that. So I always wonder, like, are we going to see what happened to Finn in like his stolen family? What happened to him when the First Order like captured him to become a um, stormtrooper? I always wonder if we're going to see that in some story form. And I have to think we will. And um Maybe in resistance is kind of like my thought is that perhaps like that will come up somehow. But I I really enjoy that story. And I hope that if you guys are on the fence about reading it or just wanted something like quick to read on like a Sunday night, um, it's a it's a fun series of short stories. Yeah, I think if hearing more about Finn's like kidnapping will just make me really sad. Because <laughs> um, he says, I mean – because he says, you know, I was stolen from a family I'll never know. And that makes it sound like he was like a baby or like a, a very small child. But we don't know what kinds of things the First Order was doing to Stormtroopers. Like, what if those memories were like removed from him and he was actually quite older um, when he was kidnapped? You know what I mean? Like brainwashed almost. Oh, my God. I never thought about that. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Right? It would be awful. Um, I mean, any version of it is awful, obviously, but it's all awful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, something came out later about, like, what that actually looks like, like, where the First Order gets these people. Um, Almost if it's, like, something we hear, like, similar to what Rose describes in Last Jedi about how the First Order, like, came in and took over her planet and – did all of that like if the first order is doing that but on other planets and instead of like mining for like physical resources they're mining for the resources of like people right and there's like that really great line between hux and kylo about um when kylo's like i don't remember the exact quote but he's like are you sure we shouldn't have used a clone army and hux Mm -hmm. is like no our first order stormtrooper program is great so like clearly that's something that they uh, defer on 
And I wonder yeah. if we'll get some similar like throwaway line like that that will expand upon what the First Order Stormtroopers It makes me sad like. <laughs> for like where Finn came from. Um, so I know back in our episode nine speculation, um, we're talking about happy endings for our characters and you – brought this up earlier in this episode, but like the sense of belonging is paramount for all of our characters. And I don't think it's ever more clear than it is in The Force Awakens, especially like for our big three, which for me, I consider the big three characters, Ray, Kylo, and Finn, um, because they have such like similar motifs um, throughout, especially in The Force Awakens, which we'll talk about, like the I, like the mask and the issue of a name and the issue of belonging and like where they belong. And they're all like on this journey of finding where it is they belong and kind of being tripped up by that question of like thinking one thing is going to be their belonging and then it's actually not. Um, and I think we see that really, really well with all of our characters, especially well with Finn. I mm-hmm. think. Um, and I think that quote that you pulled, I haven't read the book, but it's really important to just like hone in on that. Like you're an outsider. You'll always be looking in and wondering why you don't belong. So where does he belong? And I think that that – it's almost like that that quote has just like nestled inside Finn and he's like, well, where do I belong? Mm-hmm. And it's like clearly it's not here. He just told me it's not here. So why am I here? Yeah, I always just think back. I think that, you know, JJ's directing like really showed this like super well about he did like really good mask acting, I feel like, in um, The Force Awakens in the very beginning on Jakku. Like you Mm -hmm. could really see how conflicted he was. And um, I always found that really endearing that like right away he knew that he wasn't going to kill for them. Mm -hmm. And it's covered in the Before the Awakening story, but he, Finn is like super good with a blaster in um, like cadet training. And he, like, I think I said that he just goes through the motions and he really does just go through the motions. And it's clear, like once he gets to the battleground in Jakku, he's like, why would I do this? Like, I don't even care. I don't belong here. And it's just this wonderful thing about how, this this like perfect image that is so clear throughout all of our main three characters of someone having their mask and then taking in they're being they're marked by their mask and Finn is like physically marked with the death of his like his friend I suppose um, and he then he, when he removes his mask he's conflicted but it's almost like he is giving up that past mm-hmm. and I think that we see that almost through like Ray and Kylo as well when Kylo crushes that mask he's giving up that dream of becoming or I don't know he's kind of giving up uh, this isn't a Kylo episode but he <laughs> he really is putting that past behind him or like an ideal of what he kind of thought he wanted to be and I think the same is true for Finn he realizes that this isn't for him and also with Ray in the very beginning our first intro to her character is like the most perfect thing ever because she could be a he, like you never know. And when they both reveal their faces, it it gives like an incredible vulnerability to all of these characters. And they are kind of putting this past, this sca- like for Rey, it's her scavenging past. For Finn, it's her stormtrooper past. For Kylo, it's very complicated, but he <laughs> is putting the past behind him. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say for Kylo. <laughs> And you're like, it's complicated. Well, it's, it's very complicated. There's not like a, sim- a simple like, sound bite that I can do. <laughs> That's why we have hours about that character on this podcast. <laughs> but, oh, boy. But it's like you, it can't be kind of 
underscored more about this, you know, you have the mask and then you take off the mask and he rejects this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I I've, I loved that. I thought that was such a bold and amazing beginning to the sequel trilogy. Yeah, I've said this a million times over. The beginning of The Force Awakens is like magical for me. I think the beginning of The Force Awakens is incredible and like brings me back to that moment when I saw it for the first time in theaters every time I watch it. I will say that one of my least favorite decisions of the sequel trilogy is the marking of Finn's mask. (laughs) It feels like such like a handhold for the audience of like, that's your stormtrooper you're supposed to pay attention (laughs) to, guys. Like, here it is with blood. (laughs) Like, that's where you should avert your eyes or put your eyes. That being said, because like because Finn and John Boyega does like he already is doing such like great mask acting that like and like the way the music is and the zooming in on him and like the connection. Yeah, the with directing Kylo. is and the, the editing is really key. It's, it's really I, good. It's like, funny you don't that you're like <laughs> you're like oh it's for the audience. I feel like it's for um, toy sales. Toy, I, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and it act- is like super badass to buy that blood stained mask. The like I really mask like it. It's really cool. I hate it in the movie where it's just like the lone hand like reaches up and you're like, oh, <laughs> good lord. All right, I'll pay attention to him. <laughs> But don't you – but then also just to like kind of like follow this through, he is marked by the blood of his fallen friends. And that is something that should haunt him forever. And it's something that I feel – what, what do you mean marked? It's not, he didn't kill them. I know. he. I know. But he, he carries that like, oh, I didn't, I didn't kill for them, but I was part of this. And that's still part of me. I feel like it is – He carries – you mean like he carries the sins of the First Order with him? N- no. No. I think that he is just um, – I don't think he carries the sins. That's not Finn's fault at all. Um, but I feel like he in that moment is like really put like – face hand to face to face (laughs) with the fact that like you know people are being murdered by this organization including his friends Hmm. and i i feel like that is something that he carries throughout all of the sequel trilogy during his journey i think he carries with him like the guilt of having even been a part of the first order yeah though it wasn't something he could control or like really escape until that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, like he was a pawn in their game, but I think he still feels that guilt of of just like existing there, um, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't anything he ever chose or really wanted to do, as we see in the film. Right. And I think that's just to kind of jump ahead a little bit. I think that's why it's really important for me to for Finn to return to the First Order and kind of inspire some other stormtroopers to make the same choice that he did. Because I think it would be good for Finn's journey himself to kind of confront that guilt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And it's like he couldn't have – he like the Finn of the – at the end of The Last Jedi would have made a really different decision if he was on Jakku. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense. But like the growth that we see in Finn from The Force Awakens to The Last Jedi, if if that Finn had been in that situation situation on Jakku, it would have gone a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, almost, like, getting to, like, redo that moment and, yeah, you're right, like, confront what the First Order is head on and, like, show other people, like, if you're feeling at all how I felt, like, there is a way out. Mm-hmm. Come with me if you want to live. That kind of moment. <laughs> Yeah. So the the interesting thing about Finn is that he really does, and I, I maybe this will surprise some people, maybe it won't. He really does follow the hero's journey to a T. 
Um, and the hero's journey, as I have written, is kind of this, you know, simple version. But if we, if you want to go through it, you want to go through it, um, at least in The Force Awakens. Yeah. So his – and it, I, I mean this throughout the entire sequel trilogy. So his call to adventure is – Sort of, it's a little, it's a little complicated because I think his call to adventure is similar to crossing the threshold. So his call to adventure perhaps could be when he decides to not kill for them. He made a choice, like he told, mm-hmm. he tells Ray. When do you think the crossing the threshold and beginning transformation is? Um, it's it's, I would almost say like when he's with Ray. Yeah, and they're See, on I- the Falcon. See, yeah, I would totally say because there's a helper that's involved in this transformation. I would almost say that we could cut off this part of his hero's, hero's journey with the Force Awakens completely. So he has this call to adventure, his realization that he could potentially be part of something, mm-hmm. just because he had that moment with Poe, which is like so perfect. The like maybe one of the best moments in the Star Wars saga is when. Yeah. Um, Poe and Finn are like together off to the side. It's <laughs> yeah. like it's it's perfect chemistry. Oh, it is. And I I feel like in in that moment, his call to adventure is kind of a, a longer call to adventure in the fact that he continues to have that call up until he's almost forcibly on Jakku. Yeah, well, it's weird because it's not really a, it's it's not like a call like Luke got a call to adventure. Finn yeah. like seeks it out. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, we're getting off of this thing. <laughs> yeah, but then he's still, he's still he's reluctant, out. though. He, to yeah, be... he's reluctant. He doesn't want the adventure, but he wants out. Exactly. So I think you're accurate in saying when he's with Ray, but I'd, in terms of his crushing the th- crossing the threshold, I would say his crushing the th- crossing the threshold was when he gets in that seat in the Falcon, the gunner position. Yeah. And helps. Yeah. And that's the beginning of his transformation with Ray as his helper. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he is able to kind of find a sort of belonging. And at this point, by the end of The Force Awakens, his belonging is with Ray. Yeah, 100%. I think also, though, the beginning of his transformation, going back to what you said, is with Poe and how Poe gives him a new name. Yes. It's like he, tra- he, his name is transformative from FN to Finn. Um, and that is the beginning. But I think you're right. Like, so that moment and then the second he like sits down in the gunner and like starts actively fighting back, he's not just running away now. He's fighting back. Mm-hmm. Um, but he like – like you're right. Like this is kind of where The Force Awakens ends because he struggles with that fighting back component of it throughout the whole movie and continues to throughout The Last Jedi as well. But that's like part of his journey in The Last Jedi. Yeah. And then the next steps are challenges and temptations. And I feel like at the because The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi take place so close to each other, it's easy to look at it as like one single piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and his challenges begin with his fight with Kylo Ren. He realizes that he's no match for Kylo, mm-hmm. like truthfully. And he is injured and he's taken out of the fight. Yeah. And I think that is his big like – true challenge um at least the beginning of it and we will see that more in the last jedi which we'll talk about yeah i yeah i think that that is the beginning but his his true challenge comes in the last jedi when it's time for him to like step up and be making the choices he's making from a moral standpoint and not a relational standpoint because what he's doing in the force awakens is for ray mm-hmm. um and like for self preservation uh, yes. Whereas yes. that sh- that's what shifts in the f- in in the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what's our favorite part in the Force Awakens with Finn? 
I mean, the funny part is anytime he's talking to BB-8. <laughs> <laughs> like the serious note is like I still like I'm not a I'm not a Finn Ray shipper, but every time he's talking to her in Maz's castle when he's like, I ran away. I was stolen from a family. Oh my god, and so then I, good! And then I ran straight into you, and you showed me a life like I never could have imagined. I'm like, well, shoot, I'm a Finray shipper right now. <laughs> like, well, so, it makes my heart melt how he yeah. says it. The thing is that line could be so cheesy, and maybe to some people it is, but I think that he delivered it so perfectly, oh, so perfectly, that it works so well. I also think that that moment is probably like such a key moment for Finn himself because I think he realizes, despite his like amazing connection with Ray and the fact that these two people probably have a lot in common as we've seen um because they're both searching for a sense of belonging maybe Ray less actively um and I feel like I need to amend what I said Ray reluctantly because she feels that her belonging is someplace else on Jakku but I I feel like that point is so important for Finn's character because he realizes that he just has to get away. He can't stay here with or without Ray. Mm-hmm. And I think you're so accurate in to say that that is a moment of pure self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there. It's so complex, like because Finn, Ray, and Kylo all have like these similar motifs of like masks, names, and belonging. And Finn is someone who knows that his belonging is ahead of him and not behind him. Whereas Ray is still convinced at that point in the story that it's behind her. It's back on Jakku. And Maz like literally has to spell it out like, no, the belonging you seek is ahead of you. And she already has this connection to Finn that's really strong. Like they're both – like they both have only known each other for like a day. But they're like – already emotional about this like potential separation but at that point finn is like still in a mindset of self-preservation and ray is still in a mindset of like i gotta get back to jakku and both of them aren't like aware of these like greater forces that are acting upon their stories whereas with ray her belonging is ahead of her she runs straight into kylo and finn he like finds himself back in the fight and at first it's for ray but then he's back in the fight and is like helping the resistance shut down Starkiller base. Even though at that moment it's still for Ray. Like he's like he's really there to save Ray. He doesn't really know what's happening with Starkiller base. Um but it's like it's weird how they both like thinking about it now, it's like it's weird how both of them end up going where they're supposed to be long. Yeah, it's so true. I mean I feel like I'm pretty focused usually when I watch the movie about Ray. Um, in that moment, because I think that we right after what that scene that we were just talking about, she has her force back vision and mm-hmm. she runs into the forest and like everything changes from there. And I think everything kind of changes for Finn as well, where you're so right. He is so thrown back into the fight in that moment. And his belonging is right ahead of him as well. Yeah. With the resistance. Yeah. I've never thought about that that way before, but like they both they both like run away from they both think they're running away from their belonging. Or they they both think they're running towards a belonging that's not actually what they're seeking, but they like inadvertently end up where they're supposed to be. Finn has such like a strong sense of loyalty and like it's really amazing the loyalty he feels towards Ray so immediately. And like that moment on in Maz's castle where he's telling her like like basically like you're what I'm connected to right now. Um is like so strong 
But it's, mm-hmm. like, crazy, like, that f- – I think it's just, like, a, a testament to, like, how fearful he is of the First Order for him to have that strong of a connection to Ray, to then be, like, I can't go forward. Like, I can't go forward with you. I, like, have to leave. <laughs> um, but then at the end of the day, like, he makes the right choice and, like, goes back for her still. Right. Yeah. When they come back, when Han and – and Chewie and Finn come back for Ray. It, like, means the world to Ray, And it, it is the right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is such a good – He doesn't it's even so say good. anything in that moment, but it's I re- so good. I remember when we watched that movie for the first time, I turned to you in that hug, which is such a good hug, on Star- <laughs> Starkiller Reason. I was like, I ship it. <laughs> All right. Do you remember that? I yeah. remember being like, yes. <laughs> All right. What's the, what's the better hug, that one or the one they have at the end of The Last Jedi? The the one at the end of the last Jedi is filled with like so much emotion. It's so much, but I I honestly think I have a soft spot for the one yeah. in because I think that you can there's like this something about the framing of that where you can see John Boyega's smile, but you actually can't because it's like kind of buried in her shoulder. <laughs> so good. That is like is so good. And I love that, and I yeah. also think it's just so meaningful for Ray at that yeah. point. And I just it it's so beautiful. And I love that he came back for her. It's something yeah. that she has never experienced before. It's just like because no their, one's ever come back for her. <laughs> their love is so pure. It's just so pure. <laughs> I love them, <laughs> especially because like Finn doesn't say anything. It's Chewie who says it, and yeah. he's like, he said that you came back. Like, yeah, back it's so me. good. <laughs> the fact that she has to say the the line is like, ah, oh, it just makes my heart swell. I do think that the one in the Last Jedi is so earned. <laughs> But it's almost earned, like, through tears that I yeah. feel for a lot of other reasons, not necessarily just that hug. Man, I'm, like, blushing. It's so cute in the horse. It's so way. cute. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. I think that one's my favorite. I love the, like, the imagery of The Last Jedi one is amazing. And, like, the, the way the music swells. I always tear up the way the music swells right when the door, like, the rock opens and they see each other. The yeah, music me too. there is just beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Star Wars is good. Uh, it's funny because y'all, you guys know we're like diehard Raylo shippers, but I often like Finn Ray art because I think it's just so beautiful and pure. It is. It is. <laughs> and like often the art that I see is like friends like getting ice cream and that's the kind of stuff I love. Like I think that they're just so cute and I love fix that kind of go into Finn and Ray's friendship. I just mm-hmm. so beautiful and loyal. It's so um, nice. And because you know that Daisy and John are actually really good friends yes. in real life too. And that just comes across in every interview they do. And it comes across in screen so well, on screen so well too. And they're they're just amazing. And even today from the set, he posted yeah. that photo of like Daisy basically making fun of him and putting like a, like a a funny sign on his mirror they're just so cute i can't wait for the behind the scenes footage those peanuts i just love them so much and i'm just excited for them to share more scenes together Mm, yeah because i think they have to and i think that jj loves them together as well oh yeah um i think they will but i maybe maybe less than a lot of people think but i i think that i can't wait for that because i love them together and Ray has changed so much by after The Last Jedi that I get so yeah. eager for those interactions. I, well, well, and so is Finn. That. Let's save that for episode nine. All right. Should we go into our The Last Jedi discussion? Let's go. All right. Welcome to part two where we're talking about Finn and The Last Jedi. So this story arc in particular seems to get the most hate when it comes to Last Jedi Ugh. discussions. And I'll be honest, the Canto Bite sequence is not my favorite. 
I thought it it does last a long time. If you remember back in our breakdown episodes of The Last Jedi, I was so – not so irritated, but so uh, – maybe irritated at the time is the right word. Um, I made a spreadsheet <laughs> of all of the like jump cuts between all of our different characters and how much time we spent on Canto Bite versus how much time we spent with Poe. And it like really bothered me that – it was like basically an equal amount of time for Finn and Poe because I felt like it um, lessened our time with Finn. Yeah, I remember that conversation. But it's funny because someone recently, like I feel like people in the in in the discourse talk so much about how Canto Bite takes up so much of the movie when it's really like maybe fifteen minutes, like yeah. total runtime. But I think you present an interesting opinion in the fact that there's so many cuts in between that. Um, perhaps that's why it feels longer. I love the Canto Bite sequence and I have never been shy about that. I think it's like super fun and super Star Wars and I think is like a really fun journey. Um, and I only love it more because I think John Williams' score is like perfect in that part. But I know what you mean and I, I respect your opinion about that because it – and I, I get why people – are quick sometimes to be like, eh, not my favorite part of the se- sequence of the movie because it kind of feels a little separate from this the action that's happening in that movie. Mm-hmm. I like Canto Bite. I I really love Finn's storyline in the Last Jedi. I get so I guess I should rephrase. It's not that I don't like Canto Bite. I don't like that. This is like my my complication with the Finn and Poe relationship and. Listeners who have been around have heard me blabber about it ad nauseum, but like I like Poe's storyline and I like Finn's storyline. I don't like how Poe gets more time than – like I feel like it's disproportionate. Like I feel like Finn should have had more time in The Last Jedi than Poe. Like I don't feel like they should have had an equal amount of screen time even though I like Poe's character in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. It's like it's very complicated in my head. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I just like I wanted more Finn time because I think he was doing really – like, I think the conversations that him and Rose were having were really interesting. And um, at times I felt like maybe, like, it could be a little, like, obvious what they were talking about um, as far as, like, you know, like, the – everyone in Canto – like, Canto Bite is really this, like, hub of, like, people selling to the Resistance and the First Order. And, like, no one is – like, no one's hands are clean, basically, in this war. Mm-hmm. And no one's benefiting except, like, businesses, basically, and, like, warmongers and, like, people selling mm-hmm. weapons. Um, I really liked that conversation. Um, I don't – like, I, I like the Fathiers. I think they're great. Um, they're adorable AF. Um, <laughs> and the kids are fantastic too. I don't know if I, like, needed it. I don't think I would, like, miss it if it wasn't there um, or, like, feel like that sequence was lacking because I think, like, the meat of it is, like, the change of heart that Finn has that we eventually see on the supremacy. Um, so I just wish there had been more time with Finn. That's really what this conversation boils down to with The Last Jedi because I think everything that they did with his character was like spot on because as we mentioned in the last part, Finn is really following the like hero's journey pretty much to a T just like Luke does in the original trilogy. Um, I just went like – it felt like we got a lot more Poe at the expense of time with Finn. Right. And that makes me sad. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's funny that you say that some of that stuff on Canto Bite was like heavy handed, like the way they handled um, the fact that no one's hands are clean. 
It's funny that you say that just because it's ironic, because I think that a lot of people don't even realize that. Like, I think that in the arguments against Candobite, it's never really talked about how that's potentially uh, heavy handed. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right. And I, as I was saying, and I was like, is this because I'm just like a lot more involved in fandom and like watch things like the Clone Wars and yeah, like, exactly. Rebels and those, those ideas are really prevalent in those shows, whereas it hasn't ever really been in the saga films themselves. Like The Last Jedi is the first one that like really – lays it out there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess that's probably not a fair assessment. (laughs) I think it's a fine assessment. I just think it's kind of funny because it's it's just testament to our internal bias, which is we come in with all this knowledge of like intense layered storytelling from the Clone Wars and Rebels and, you know, books and stuff that have kind of outlined what you say about how for like I it follows the heroes on both sides type situation, but mm-hmm. also villains on both sides. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's really important. And I I feel like that's often missed by people who try to analyze Canto Bite. Yeah. Yeah. It's like because I mean, at the end of the day, like the like all of the first times that we were watching The Force Awakens as crazy force people, we were like, let's get back to Ray and Kylo. Like, what <laughs> is happening with Ray and Kylo? You know, because like that was just like so mind blowing that something like that was actually happening on screen. Like this crazy force connections that like the things on Canto Bite, like that. That's like the cool contradiction that Ryan built up in the Last Jedi. Is you have these really like esoteric, like high level, like cosmic force situation that's happening with Ray and Kylo, which is like bananas matched and juxtaposed with this like really tactile physical um evidence and like scarring of war mm-hmm. on like all of these different planets and for all these different like regular run of the mill people um like just trying to live their life and so like i think for a lot of people it's probably easy to be like oh well like the crazy force stuff like that can be more interesting because it's like almost not boring because like those are the things that are happening on Canto Bite that Rose and Finn talk about. Those are things that are happening in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's really tactile. Like that's something we can point and be like, oh yeah, something like X is happening in X place or it happened in X timeline time um, in our history. I don't know. It's, it's like cool how they're both of those, like they're different extremes as far as like mm-hmm. themes and storytelling. Yeah, I love it. I love how Finn and Rose are presented to go into Canto Bite, and they themselves are almost two sides of what happens to people in war. And Mm -hmm. they're going into a place that is profiting off of war and their struggles. So Finn and Rose's own struggles. So we learn in this moment when we're against this like juxtaposition of, um, extreme wealth from war. We learn that uh, Rose herself, her own planet has been mined for the expense of these people like gambling and drinking away. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we get Finn who's totally presented with, he loves it. He goes into Canto Bight and he's like, I've never seen anything like this. Like, this is so fun. How do I become a part of this? And you see Rose who's so level-headed, level-headed maybe not, but she completely knows what she is, who she is and what she wants. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Finn, come on. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, like, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Like, the, sure, literally, this is literally open your eyes and look through this telescope. Let me lay it out Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It couldn't be more obvious. And I think it's it's really beautiful about how it's a, it's a good commentary on privilege, too, where mm-hmm. Rose looks at this with the knowledge of what these people stand for um, and is like, 
this is ridiculous, Finn. Like, you shouldn't look up to this. Um, and then Finn has that realization where he's like, you know what, Rose, you're right. Like, I shouldn't. This is awful. But he needs to have – he needs to learn. And um, he comes into it not even knowing because how could he know? Uh, he lived his entire life in the First Order. I love yeah. it. I love Kendo Bite so much. And every time – Someone makes a comment, not like your like kind of intelligent comments about it. Did you say kind of? <laughs> it's pretty. It, I didn't mean kind of. I mean like intelligent, intelligent comments kind of about intelligent Canto Bite. Comments. I'm gonna put that in my bio. Sometimes kind of intelligent. <laughs> kind of intelligent comments. comments. Well, your I'm like criticism of Canto Bite is totally fair. When people come into it as like I hated the storyline and it's like it reeks of racism. That's what like it, it drives me nuts because you completely oh, yeah. miss the nuance and you don't it's like you're not even watching the movie yeah. when <laughs> you hate it. Anyway. <laughs> um <laughs> I like Canto Bite because I like Star Wars and I like The Last Jedi. It's just not my favorite part of the movie, but I know like I know what its purpose is. I know mm-hmm. what like function it serves in the story, and I think it's an important function. And I think it's an important part of Finn's story. Like And act- Roses as well. And, yeah, and Roses as well. Um and, like, I love the costumes that we see on Canto Bite. I think the set of Canto Bite is really cool. Like, the more that I talk about it, I'm like, I actually like Canto Bite. I think, I think it's, like, because I'm such, like, a force person that yeah. a lot of the times I'm like, all right, let's get back to Ray and Kylo. I love those two. Those two crazy kids. <laughs> totally. Um, even though I love Finn, too. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's – it's I am totally with you. If I could go to one set, I have to say this. If I could go and transport myself physically to one set, like – physical movie set of star wars it would be canto bite just yeah. because it's like the what the largest set ever built so luxe so luxe. yeah and it's just so amazing and i mean that but behind the scenes clip of mark kind of witnessing behind the scenes and there's that person who's in a costume right next to him and the costume is like it, it kind of breaks my heart when i see it do you know what i'm talking about in this documentary where uh, i think so where he's like the, i'll help you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh man, I'm I'm such a big fan. But the the costume, he doesn't even have a mouth. He has no eyes. Like he can hardly see. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Mark, I'm just I'm such a big fan. And Mark's like, oh my god, I didn't even know you were a real person <laughs> next to me because he's so dressed up in this costume. It's just it like it kind of breaks my heart because it's just so beautiful in that moment of I can't even imagine being on that set yeah. and being surrounded with Star Wars in that way. Oh, such opulent. Man. Like the Kanjo Bite is what. Like something like Coruscant would have been if like Coruscant wasn't so much green screen. <laughs> I, I hate to be saying that on our prequel loving podcast, but um, it's what a place like Coruscant would have looked like IRL. Um, yeah. Like that's the kind of look. Like people always talk about or like wanting to see like that side of Star Wars. Like a lot of like opulence and stuff. Like the prequels gives that to you, but it's gonna give it to you in green screen because that's just like what the prequels did. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like Canto Bite is this like nice combination of actually having it there with the green. Like I, I every time I watch the Last Jedi at home, I always pause it when they're like the Fathers are running and like causing mass destruction in the bakery just so I can like examine the bakery and like <laughs> it's just what, so beautiful. What's there? <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing. It's a great set. It's a fantastic set. And like all the, the like gold BB-8 esque slot machines. <laughs> so funny. They're really so perfect. Funny. They're really funny. Anyway, I think that Finn's it's interesting because Finn's first words in The Last Jedi are literally Ray. He wakes up with a startle after being injured in like this I don't know if it's technically Bacta, but I assume it's Bacta, like this Bacta machine. Suit. Yeah, he like wakes up and it's funny because I think that that is supposed to remind us. Like, Ryan's writing is um, 
it's subtle, but often it's not subtle. <laughs> and this is a moment where it's like completely <laughs> not, not subtle, subtle. <laughs> where it's like, oh, like he, he begins the movie and his purpose is Ray and he literally wakes up with a start and he's like, where's Ray? <laughs> and like the first time we see him, his first words are about Ray. Yeah. And it's not until – and I think that this kind of – we can bring this back to where he is in his, his hero's journey because this is his real challenge. He, like, wakes up in a place without Ray with people that he doesn't know, and they're on the run from their First Order, people who he's been trying to run away from this entire time, right? And it's <laughs> – there's, like, a fire under his butt almost. I'm, like, stressed for him when you lay it out like that. <laughs> I know. So it's, like, it's hard because I think that – Rose looks at him and sees a traitor, like someone who's trying to flee the ship. But Rose comes into it with her own bias as well by the fact that her her sister just died for the resistance and how mm-hmm. dare he leave when they have to stay and fight and kind of uphold like her sister's honor. Yeah. I just – I love Star Wars. I love the parallels that – like we always talk about how Star Wars rhymes and like, you know, we're like a broken record on that front or like all of the nine films now. But like even just within the sequel trilogy, like within The Last Jedi of like don't meet your heroes, like Ray and Rose both go through that journey of like <laughs> yes. don't meet your heroes. They'll disappoint you and they both – like, God bless women for, for making good changes, <laughs> like, helping foster good changes in, like, the disappointing men in their life. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, like, what's great what's great about, like, Ray and Rose in those moments is that, like, they both realize that, like, oh, like, it's not my job and, like, I can't project what I want you to be because that's not actually who you are and, that, yes, that's disappointing, but, no, I don't have time to deal with that and, like, I'm going to go and do what I need to do if you're coming, great, if not – get out of my way. Right. And her prerogative is to do her job, which is stun people mm-hmm. to stop him from leaving. What a fun job. Oh, man. Rose is so great. She is great. But I, like to your point, though, like more seriously like that, um, when they're later with Poe and they're discussing the plan and Poe is like, how did you meet? Like good luck or like fate bringing together? Like good fate? And she's like, well, you have to be determined. Yeah. She's so smart. Ugh, I love that so much. I love that too. <laughs> I, I I love their discussion when Finn is lying on like that little transport yes. that she's, you know, begrudgingly pushing along. And they have that conversation where they kind of finish each other's sentences. Mm-hmm. It's so great. I love it's, them. It's really good. Because that like this is when you're starting to see like the hero that Finn is. That like all of us know he is deep down because he's in Star Wars. Like he's on this hero's journey. Like he is a good person. But he's also like a human person and he isn't like a, a instrument of the cosmic force like Ray is. Um, so his story is different and it has a different different types of challenges that are like like a lot of battling with the self of like that self-preservation component of it, which Ray experiences too, but hers are like involving the force. So like they're very different, I think, as far as like the battle of the self. Whereas Finn's like feels much more down to earth. Like, yes, I should be doing the right thing. Yes, I should be making the right choice. And like, but that's really hard to do. And it comes at the expense of like my name or my reputation or like my actual life. Um, Anyway, so I think, I mean, but I like that moment that you're talking about because we're starting to see him like, because Finn doesn't ask questions. Like once Ray or Rose starts kind of spelling it out, like what they could do, he's like immediately like, Oh, well, I know where that room is. I could help. Mm-hmm. I could do it. I could get us there. 
he just like immediately switches into like, I know what to do. Let's do it. Yeah. It's an interesting switch because I think that you're you're so right. It, it's internal for him that he is a hero. And it's just like his journey really is realizing the potential of that and realizing mm, yeah. that it doesn't take someone else um, to encourage that heroism. But in this moment, we see this in the beginning of his in The Last Jedi is that he is potentially willing to do it himself. He just needs the help from his friends. He just needs the push. Yeah. 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 So I think that even on the hero's journey, I think there's a couple of like points where Finn is technically, if this could fall under like the temptations of the hero's journey, I think that first he's tempted to leave and flee. But second, I think that he's really tempted by what we were just talking about with Canto Bite when DJ reveals um, everything that there is about, you know, um, the First Order and the Resistance like selling weapons and how there are villains on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that in that moment when you're watching that scene, and I think within Finn as well, he becomes kind of dubious of the cause that he's following. And you do as well as the audience, I think for like even a split second in your first viewing at least, you're like, oof, that's dicey and deep, you know? Yeah. And I think in that moment, he is tempted. And in terms of the mentor and that helper um, role, I think that it can be said that Rose is, probably plays both the mentor and the helper role. But I think yeah. that it could potentially be ar- argued that um, DJ is like this, like almost a maniacal mentor for him. Um, I think that you could argue that even though I would lean more on Rose being both the mentor and the helper. Yeah, I think Rose definitely almost like leans more mentor than helper. Like she's 70% mentor, 30% helper. Um, Right. And then, yeah, you're right. Like DJ is kind of this like anti-mentor where he's showing Finn like what not to do or he's like – he's like both Rose and DJ are helping Finn open his eyes. Mm-hmm. It's like like that's Finn's like big journey in this movie is opening his eyes and realizing where everything stands in the galaxy around him and like where he is in relation to all of those points that he's learning and seeing for the first time. And then like figuring out how to move himself into the position that he wants to be and realizing yeah. that that position is with the resistance mm-hmm. um, yeah. to make like a positive change. To try to anyway. Yeah, it's so interesting. The The role of DJ, I think it's muddled because of that um, that Ryan comment about how we wanted – he really wanted to see like a smuggler, like a Han Solo figure that didn't have a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and often I think that – I think the purpose of Finn's journey here is him really learning like even just talking this out I just I feel like I just had this realization like when I was talking about like a sort of privilege that um people go into or like biases that people go into when they go into Canto Bite um specifically these characters like I think that Finn just needed to learn like he needed to understand the like atrocities of war he had no real idea I think that he was kind of truly like awakening to it and like Mm -hmm. pun intended he in the force awakens and i feel like he in in this movie really had to be like completely confronted with those truths and Mm -hmm. the same can be said for ray too which is like a point that you totally brought up about how these journeys like completely parallel each other we have like uh, a heroine's journey to a t but we also have this hero's journey to a t and it's really cool how these kind of play off each other and complement each other where i wouldn't necessarily say 
they're mirrors of each other but adjacent. Yeah, absolutely. Because like like we said in the beginning, like our big three, they're all chasing the same thing. They're all chasing belonging. Mm-hmm. And just how they get to that end point is different, but they're encountering similar themes and similar challenges and similar questions too about like where is it that I belong? Okay, I thought I belonged with Ray. I thought I belonged with Finn. No, I don't. No, I don't. I definitely don't belong with the First Order. I thought I belonged on Jakku. Do I belong with Kylo? No, not right now. Not yet. Do I belong like on my own for Finn? No, he doesn't. He belongs mm-hmm. with the resistance. Yeah. So I think that we should talk about the ending of the movie and Finn's like choice at the very end. Um, when Finn – there's a shot that I just want to mention. When he is in that rickety speeder or whatever, that fighter on crate – And you get that one shot that Ryan, like, masterfully did of him, like, smirking. Like, yeah, it looks so good in this (laughs) this fight. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's so good. And I love that moment because it is, like, it's perfect for him because in this moment he's like, yes, this is where I belong. Like, I'm with all my crew, like, flying to defeat the First Order, like, head on. And here we are. And I also think that that was just, like, so John. And Mm -hmm. I do think that that kind of, like – in the same way that almost like Ryan and JJ kind of brought in like their personalities um, in like with like with Ray and with with Finn into their own characters. I think that it's it's so funny that one shot because it's it perfectly sums up how at that point Finn is willing to fight until the death for yeah. the resistance. And this is where we get into the part the part of the hero's journey that's the abyss. So death, rebirth and revelation. Mm hmm. And it's clear that in this moment, if there's there's usually a helper here, and the helper is Rose. with the revelation and the rebirth, and it is Rose. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, it's kind of crazy how close Finn gets to death. I, like, yeah, I think everyone has a story where they're like, "Oh my god, mm-hmm. Finn's gonna die." Oh yeah, and he's gonna die right here, and we are not ready for it. We were nope. all like prepared for other things to happen, yep. but we were not prepared for nope. Finn to die. No. And it's, it like, like it, huh. that moment, like I I loved Finn before then, and but I really was confronted with how much I loved Finn in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the the visual like Ryan. I mean if we talk about any misdirection in the Last Jedi and with the Last Jedi marketing, again it comes down to Finn and this moment because everything visually is telling you like Finn is gonna die. <laughs> the music, the lighting, <laughs> the music, yes. the moment like it's all pointing towards inevitable death. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and it's so it's so frustrating to me how people and I've gotten to fights with people on the Internet about this and I regret it. But it is annoying to me how people think that he should have died and he should have like, yeah, sacrificed himself for the resistance. But to me, that fails to even listen to what Poe says when Poe says you're you're too close like that that cannon's too powerful like you can't do it it's it's a suicide mission like you have to turn around yeah um it wouldn't help at all the cannon is fully armed yeah right? it would have been useless it would be completely useless and that should not have been Finn's sacrifice if any wait you want to hear my metaphor for this yes my analogy so ha- uh Kylo not being redeemed is similar 
to like this situation because it means Han Solo's death would be meaningless. Yes, it really so, like, is. If, Han, if, Kai, if Finn had died in this in this instance, it would have been meaningless because as Poe lays out, nothing would have happened. Like Finn couldn't – like Finn's sacrifice wouldn't have destroyed the cannon because the cannon was already up and running. It just would have destroyed Finn. And like then it's his story would have ended When you there. say cannon, I hear cannon, <laughs> one N. And it really would have destroyed the cannon. <laughs> And all it would have destroyed canon, but it wouldn't have destroyed the canon. Canon, yes. <laughs> Just like if Kylo's not redeemed, then it destroys like everything that Han sacrificed for his beloved son. Yeah, and everything that came before. Yeah. Agreed. And I just think that this moment, though, he has this, and this is where he has the revelation mm-hmm. when Rose delivers like the best line in. Um, the Last Jedi. That's how we're gonna win by not not fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. Mm-hmm. And that's just like the thesis statement for um, the Last Jedi. And at the very end, Finn understands that and learns that, and we know he has because of all the traits that he's exhibited throughout the entire movie and everything that he's learned. Mm-hmm. And his this movie was a learning experience for him, and he had to have that big moment of shock at the end for us to understand how far he had come. Yeah, absolutely. That like he went like it was like a switch in his head, like that moment on the supremacy when he realizes what DJ did, and then he realizes like how he feels about what DJ did means that he's in it for the resistance. He's not just running away from the first order now. Now he's fighting against the first order, and it's mm-hmm. different even from that moment in the Force Awakens because like we talked about that moment in the Force Awakens where he is yes fighting back, but it's still like self preservation. Mm-hmm. Whereas now he's let go of that and he's just fighting back because he believes it as the right thing to do. Okay, so what – like we asked about The Force Awakens, what's your favorite Finn moment in The Last Jedi? Oh. I know mine. Okay, you go first. Mine is near the beginning and my favorite funny moment is actually the deleted scene when he is, again, talking to Finn and BB-8 or just like a great comedic pair. <laughs> when when Finn sh- or BB-8 shows him the recording of Ray talking to him and he's like, wow, thank you. But it's kind of creepy that you recorded that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. But like the, the John Wagon's delivery is so good. <laughs> it's, it's so like, funny. Thank you. Creepy, but thank you. <laughs> My, like, favorite moment from the actual film, though, is um, when he gives Poe the beacon for Rey because, again, it's, like, that the start of that journey of, like, all right, this isn't just about right now. I'm, like, starting – I'm starting to open my eyes. Yeah, the trade-off. The trade-off. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's that's true. I don't know what my favorite part is. It's kind of tough. I really do love the fight scene um, with Phasma. I, I actually mm. – I which I think is kind of surprising. And I love the exchanges of Finn and Rose when they see um, BB-8 as like one of the walkers. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> I love that. And I also love when they exchange looks when Maz is talking about the master code breaker. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. They're both like, I'm weirded out. Are you? Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> like, oh, mental image. <laughs> I love it, and I I I love everything on um on Canto Bite. Like I said, I also love when um I, I I'm like a broken record talking about like every single scene, but I love when they're on the fathiers and um Finn's like stop enjoying this <laughs> when they're like cr- like parading through the city. 
so funny. <laughs> Finn, Finn, like, was not someone who would like theme park rides, whereas Rose is like, yes. <laughs> well, again, I feel like that's just John Boyega's personality shining through. Like, did you see all those, like, amazing Instagram stories when he was in Disneyland Paris? Yeah. Like, Finn, you're, I think you're so right. John Boyega, like, completely screams on every roller coaster, every ride, even, like, <laughs> mild rides, that I feel like it's the same with the Fathiers. So funny. Stop enjoying <laughs> this. It's a good moment. moment. (laughs) Okay, anything we want to add for The Last Jedi with Finn's journey? Last Jedi is good. Finn is good. So is Rose. So is Rose. Finn and Rose's relationship is really beautiful. I love them. It is. Okay, let's talk about speculation and the episode nine. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, welcome to part three, where now we're putting on our speculation goggles, which we love to do around here at Sky Talk. We really do. We really do. <laughs> Charlotte's like gearing up, like, we really do. <laughs> Girding no. my loins, getting ready. <laughs> okay, stop girding. No more girding. <laughs> girding has stopped. Okay, okay. You reach maximum capacity on the girding. <laughs> this is turned weird. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what I was going to say now. All right, so episode nine. So we left. All right, let's briefly recap. Where did we leave Finn at the end of The Last Jedi? We left Finn along with literally every character except for sad Kylo Ren in, <laughs> in the Millennium Falcon escaping somehow. Yes, and he's with Rose, which I think is important. Yes, he's tending and caring to Rose. Yes, he's not with Rey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is holding the broken, the broken lightsaber. Lightsabers. Yeah, and I think this is – this, like, kind of, like, comes full circle for everything that we're talking about with Finn is that, like, in The Force Awakens, he – not that he's, like, living for Rey, but, like, his next step was being dictated by, like, Rey's situation. Yeah. Um, And – their relationship is beautiful and like amazing and we love it but that shouldn't be like how finn is deciding his next steps mm-hmm. um whereas now the last jedi like or at the end of the last jedi we see him like he's making the decision like something else not that something else has eclipsed ray's importance to him but like he's like operating on his own almost because like now he's finally decided that like the resistance is where he belongs and I think, like, Finn, out of our big three, like, he's the one who, like, knows where his belonging is now. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, if he could verbalize that as well. I think he could probably could, though. Whereas, like, Ray and Kylo are still, like, they're still circling the wagons on that question of, like, where I belong. Whereas I think Finn, like, pretty much knows where he belongs now. Like, he's pretty confident in that. Right. He's had his revelation. Yeah, um, Exactly. So where we are on the hero's journey for him now is we're in the middle of something like the transformation. So the steps that we have left for Finn's hero's journey are transformation, atonement, and return. So I think that it can be argued that transformation happens at the end of episode eight, The Last Jedi. But I do think that it will continue because conversations need to happen with episode nine. And I think (sighs) if I could speculate, I think that we will see a fully... 100% on board resistance fighter Finn with Mm -hmm. Rose um, at the beginning of episode nine. And and because we will be presented with this like fully transformed 
version of Finn yeah. where he has complete he's like completely like learned basically of everything that he had to go through in the last Jedi. Yeah, I agree. I have speculated that I think like if we're comparing Poe and Finn's journeys throughout the film so far, I've kind of speculated that Poe after his journey on the last Jedi kind of takes a Leia perspective on the war now and he like has more of her temperament in regards to things and then Finn kind of takes on Poe's temperament almost a little bit in the in episode nine because now he's like 100% gung-ho like what do we got to do to fight I need to sacrifice myself all right 100% like done done so <laughs> and th- that was the that was the Poe we saw at the star of the last Jedi um and like Poe was even willing to sacrifice like other people too um within the resistance or like not that he was willing to sacrifice, but he didn't realize the consequences. He was like, of "Oh, it's a cost of war." Yeah, and I don't, and like he like wasn't even thinking of loss. Like yeah. that wasn't even in his mind. For Poe, it was like, "This is how we win. This is how we win." He's not thinking of like what comes with that, which is what Leia lays out for him. Like, I saw no leaders, only like losses. For your yeah. Um, and so like after their respective journeys in the Last Jedi, like now. Poe kind of takes that Leia temperament and then I think Finn is kind of going to almost follow a similar journey, but I think it'll it'll differ. But I think his temperament at the beginning of the film will be similar to Poe's was at the beginning of The Last Jedi, like very gung-ho, very like almost extremist for the resistance. Like militant. Yeah, like militant. Like like I can almost see them being at like a standstill and Finn being like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And Poe's like, wait, we need to wait right now. And Finn's like, no, we can't wait. Like, we gotta we, go. We got. We need to like the first order is out there. We need to go and get them now. And Poe's like, no, 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 no. You're not seeing the big picture here. Yeah, I I can almost see something like that, but I, I don't think Finn is gonna like track the same way through. Like, I don't think it's gonna be a copy of Poe's journey because mm-hmm. I like the more and more we talk about it, the more and more I am on board with your stormtrooper rebellion. I think that yes, and we'll get there. I think that it's we'll get something like that where he'll make a mistake, but just at the beginning of the movie, like in yeah. Act One, yeah. Um, and it will show it will further show his transformation into like a, a military hero. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the big key here is atonement and return, um, of the hero's journey, and this is where the stormtrooper rebellion kind of comes in. I think I would like put money on it at this point about the fact that. Finn has to return to the place that we first saw him, and that is within the First Order, and kind of pass on what he has learned, which is just obviously a huge message in Star Wars throughout. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that it's really important for Finn, as we mentioned in our Force Awakens section of this discussion, to like understand that guilt within inside of him and atone for that and kind of inspire others to realize that you can leave too you can fight for you know the good side you can change Mm -hmm. yeah and or even maybe too that like you don't have to fight like you can just you can walk away like i'll help you find a way out right um i think that's really important what i'm most looking forward to in regards to episode nine outside of like my raylo feels are my finn ray feels yes um like i am so like given finn's position as like hero of the resistance now like actual hero of the resistance what is he gonna say when he finds out that ray let kylo ren live and not only that but she like tried to bring him back and like 
not only that, but she calls him Ben. Like, <laughs> well, I can I can totally see them going on this like amazing journey where in the beginning they're kind of um, I hate to say this, but like kind of you know in a maybe not the best of friends because of their pasts and like how much they've changed. And I th- I think that like at the end of the Last Jedi, especially that was reinforced by the novel that you know yeah Ray had changed. I think the line was Ray had changed and she was a Jedi, but it didn't change. She didn't change like who she was like inside like we still have this connection and i think that's obviously true but i think that each of them have something that they have to work out and that will kind of maybe draw like a line between them Mm -hmm. and seeing them like kind of deal with their respected stories might bring them back together just as like in 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 terms of like admiration like i can totally see ray being like really proud of finn for inspiring stormtroopers to help fight with the resistance when like in that will like change this that's how i feel like the stormtrooper rebellion is going to happen is that when everything is at its lowest point, um, which I feel like in the episode nine, we're going to get to this point where it's like, oh, the resistance is not maybe not going to win. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, the, everything is going bad, right? Then we get this, like, beautiful turn where the stormtrooper, like, rise rebellion rises up and um, Finn inspires the stormtroopers, this army that was taken when they were children to be trained in fighting for them will instead fight for their own lives and not kill for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just to make the the parallel to one of the Raylo community's favorite parallels, um, Lion King 2. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the end of Lion King 2, right? When like, um, what what is the lioness, the evil lioness's name? Um, um, it's not an remember. S. Anyway, when all of her like minions – and then all of like Simba's army, and they're like all fighting. And then like Kiara and Kovu come back, and they're like, "Don't fight, love, not hate." <laughs> <laughs> and and all all of the lions are like, "You're right." And then they like all literally sit around a campfire and like celebrate love. <laughs> like I don't I don't even know if Star Wars would even go there, but I also can I see them totally like, going there. I can totally see them going there. But again, like there's this. There's this great parallel in these stories, right? Like this tension that we're talking about between Finn and Ray, which I think is totally going to be there. It's going to like induce a lot of hard conversations, which I'm really ready for. I'm ready for that angst. <laughs> but like when they go back, like Finn, stolen from a family he'll never know. Like in a way, like Kylo was stolen from a family that he'll never know because he was manipulated by Snoke from such a young age that like all memories of his family are like in a way like really twisted. Um, mm-hmm. Both from his own doing, from Snoke's doing, and from like his family's doing, like what Luke does, um, and like you can almost see the situation with like Ray and Finn, where it's like where after or like during or you know Finn talking about this potential for like saving stormtroopers, and Ray's like, how can you forgive them? Like the way that you can forgive them, that's how I can forgive Kylo. Yeah, I think that they have this. That I I wrote this in the notes, and I think that it's kind of an important question but like how does Finn's story like kind of mirror like the Kylo Ren story I think both yeah. of them also come from like the first basically in, in the way that we're introduced to these characters on screen these two characters are both from the first order and they both have like loyalty issues to the first order right mm-hmm. I think that they they both are kind of like we said searching for belonging and I find it really fascinating that not enough people kind of draw these comparisons between Finn and Kylo but I do think that it's there it's almost like there's like this model for 
how Finn is able to kind of really follow this beautiful hero's journey that like perhaps Kylo is able to learn from his like ability to leave um, as we've seen immediately within the first movie, like within the first 10 minutes, we see someone leave the first order because they don't want to fight for it anymore. Like, mm-hmm. would that even be extended to someone who's literally at the top of the first order at this point? Yeah. Like, potentially. But it's it's crazy that we see someone who literally used to work sanitation. He used to work <laughs> and like scrub the toilets leave and it's like can like the bottom of the bottom inspire the top of the top yeah i wonder if there'll be this great um parallel scene from the force awakens where kylo and finn look at each other on jakku but they're both behind each other they're both behind their masks hiding who they really are but then at the end they look at each other and like they're they both have found their belonging I would love that. I think that would be perfect, especially since that's exactly what happened in the beginning of the movie in The Force Awakens. And it's such an interesting scene where the fact that Kylo immediately recognizes that like disloyalty. And I wonder if it's like, I always have thought about this as like that one scene where everything that's going on around Kylo is, you know, he's, he's totally zeroed in on Finn at that moment on Jakku. And it's it's super weird. Like, and then in, in like two scenes later, he's like, "Oh, FN two one eight seven. That's the one who defected." Mm-hmm. And he he knew because he knew through the force that feeling of wanting to leave. And I I've always kind ah. of been like, that's a familiar feeling for Kylo for Ben. And I feel like it's it's so interesting to me that he looked he he could have potentially. I mean, obviously, we need more content could have looked at Finn and been like, oh, I know what he's doing. I wonder if he's going to do it. Yeah. Like if instead of like anger or suspicion behind the mask, it was like longing and recognition. Yeah. Because you don't even know because he was masked. He was masked. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So what's your number one wish for Finn in episode nine? I mean, my number one wish is the same for all of them, like to have that sense of belonging. And I think Finn does. But like what I really want to see is that I want to see that hard conversation with Ray. Um, and mm. to see them, that's like what I really want to see is them talk about it and like grapple with trying to understand what the other one is saying. I think it would be so beautiful if they, if each of them did understand. I think they will. I definitely think they will. Um, it's just like the how we get there. I, I hope that we like spend some time like in that tension. Yeah. Because they both – like, we know that they both care immensely about each other. And, like, The Last Jedi, I think, even though they were apart, spelled that out really well. But, like, how do you – like, how do you have those hard conversations with people that you really care about when you think they're making the wrong decision but you still care about them? Yeah. Um, I hope – like, I hope we live in that tension for a little bit. hmm What about you? So my number one is definitely the Stormtrooper Rebellion or some sort of like Stormtrooper changing alliances somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I want Finn to be the inspiration for s- the Stormtroopers. And like, yeah. I-, I just think it's really important. Like even just even thinking about it now, how we talked about how he was like in the very beginning of the movie, his friend, you can only assume is his friend who died in his arms and like he's marked on his his mask. Like I want him to come back and and kind of inspire people to leave so that they never have to witness their friend dying in their arms as well. And that's really important for me. And I just like, we have to talk about before we move on from the Stormtrooper Rebellion, the fact that John, like a couple days ago on Instagram, posted the photo of like just his hands and they were like really bent up and bloody. And he was like, 
Let me get the, let me bring up the caption because it's it's crazy. Also, the name of the evil lion in Lion King two is Zira. 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 Yeah. I thought it was like Shirazi. <laughs> I think Shirazi is a hyena. Anyway. <laughs> So he posted this photo on Instagram of just his hands, and he said, "Great work, great working day on set. The whole team pushed themselves today to achieve something visibly, visually crazy. I've had many moments of shock on set, but not like today. And I can't wait for you to know why." Eyes emoji, hands in the air emoji. Hashtag FN two one eight seven. And his hands are like bloodied and dirty and i love this because hands are a language and the language here Mm -hmm. is that is it potentially stormtrooper rebellion (laughs) i mean but i i love that it's something surprising yeah anything could be a stormtrooper rebellion (laughs) yeah it's true um but yeah that's my number one but i also just really want to see rose and finn back together again Mm -hmm. i i I, that's what i want I, i want them to be a thing I do too. I want to see this is where I come in where I'm like, I'm worried about all these new characters because like I got a, I got a lot of pairings I want to see on screen and to like have a good amount of time on screen. And if we have 87 new characters. <laughs> this is why episode nine needs to be like seven hours. I know it can't be though. It can't be. <laughs> if what if JJ's like, here's a movie. It's three and a half hours. What are we going to think? I don't I don't know. actually. <laughs> uh Maybe like I can see it being like two forty five. Well, yeah, I think the last Jedi was two thirty three, and I wouldn't be opposed to another long movie, even though it really did feel long. I remember seeing in the movie theater being like, you know, this is a long movie. It's long. <laughs> it is a long movie, <laughs> but it's my favorite. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if episode nine clocks in at longer than the last jedi because they are adding a lot of people to the cast um and there are a lot of like important moments that do need like their time to shine on screen and Mm -hmm. i think like right like like i need ray and rose time on screen like finn and rose finn and ray like all of them together like poe and rose poe and bb8 need like a moment or two or seven so there's a lot to happen there really is a lot to happen. There really is. So I don't I don't know what they're gonna do, but it's gonna be good. I know that. Anything else about Finn's story in episode nine that you wanna talk about before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I'm really like I, I feel pretty confident in where I think his storyline is going and I'm just I'm excited to see it and to see like what new humor and what new heart he brings to our big screen in a couple months. Yeah, I, I I feel the same way. I I just think it's really interesting that we have a character who's really following the hero's journey to a T. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't think that about Finn's character. Mm-hmm. Um, just like from looking at his journey, just because I think that in a lot of people's minds, he often takes like, which, you know, makes sense to some extent, like a, a secondary character type situation when I do think that Finn is is a main character. I think I could like firmly say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think that often people are like, oh, yeah, he probably doesn't follow the hero's journey because I don't think he's a main character. But he's a main character and he follows the hero's journey. <laughs> and I think it's like pretty clear where his story is going to go. And yeah. I'd just be really surprised if there wasn't some sort of like going home aspect to him returning to the First Order. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, Finn is good. 
Star Wars is good. So good. So Finn good. Is such a great character. Y'all, we love Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I am really curious though. So like once you listen to this episode, please let us know which hug you think is better, the Force Awakens Finn Ray hug or the Last Jedi Finn Ray hug. Yes. Like that's – maybe I'll post it on Twitter. Maybe we should do a poll because like that's a serious question. Do a like, poll, Caitlin. Let's do a poll. All right. Um, well, if you <laughs> want to find polls and other things online from us – did you like that segue? Um, you can <laughs> it was find, a good segue. It was a good segue. You can find us on Twitter um, at SkyTalkersPod or on our personal Twitters. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. Um, you can find us at SkyTalkers.com, on Instagram, um, and, you know, like other various places. But those are the big ones. Um, and if you liked what you heard, you can go – head on over to iTunes and leave us a review so other people can find our show too and tell us which Finray hug they enjoyed more. So please do that if you have a couple of seconds to spare. We'd really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. And I want to thank our amazing patrons, Jason, Amy, Joanna, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Ewan, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Catherine, Mandy, Ira Bell, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpoveru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Dash, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Casey, Gina, Megan, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.